And good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening. Whatever the case may be around this rotating globe, welcome to another edition of The Other Side of Midnight. That magical time between dusk and dawn when, well, I guess just about anything can happen, including things that knock us off the air. We had a front come through last night, actually started yesterday afternoon, and the wind was blowing so hard that according to a friendly neighbor who stopped by, uh, I lost a piece of the roof. Uh, given the fact that um, I'm kind of out in the middle of nowhere and I don't want to climb up on ladders before we do weekend shows because God help us if I fell off the roof, I have to kind of wait till tomorrow to go up and check. Fortunately, we're in a drought here in the great American Southwest, so I don't think we're going to have rain and uh, I will um, go and check tomorrow. But uh, it was so windy. You know, it was one of those Carson things. How windy was it? Well, it was so windy that the power kept flickering on and off, on and off. And then I'm upstairs and I hear this thumping. And then this morning, a very nice guy stopped by and he said, Do you know that a part of your roof is lifting up? And I said, no, but thank you. And uh, anyway, we are here and it is calm. And uh, we have a very, very complicated show. So I want to get right to it because um, a lot of the stuff I would do up front, I'm going to do later during the show because I have some limited windows with a couple of our guests this morning. We're going to start, however, with a major breaking story, which is kind of like a week old, although the, the hot part is only a few uh, hours old. The Chinese mission, the Tianwan mission, with the Zhurong lander, the fire god of Mars lander, has successfully landed on the red planet. So what we're going to do, given the fact that the Chinese are now on Mars, we're going to start tonight by kind of skipping around, and we're going to bring up a story connecting China and Mars, which is frankly amazing, unless you consider the fact that it's kind of in there with a whole bunch of other amazing discoveries and confirmations that we've been making ever since the Perseverance rover landed on Mars back on February 18th. So we're going to start out with um, um, Ron. No, I'm sorry. Well, Ron will be in the conversation. We're going to start with Robert Morningstar, who is our specialist in photo interpretation, geometric analysis, and computer imaging. He is a graduate of the Power Memorial Academy, was a New York State Regents Scholar at Fordham, where he received a degree in psychology. And while at Fordham in 1969, he participated as a research fellow in a U.S. Navy-sponsored program to develop artificial intelligence. The reason Robert's here tonight is he's an expert in Chinese languages, history, and martial arts. He is acknowledged as a master of Yang family Tai Chi Wan of the Hong Kong Tai Chi Masters Association and is taught at Oberlin College and Hunter College and the City University of New York. Uh, we also have been joined with, uh, with Andrew, Andrew Curry, who is our resident uh, artist and is a, he has a master's in art therapy. And uh, Ron Gerbron, who is one of our generalists, kind of prides himself on being an untutored generalist, but don't let that fool you. He actually at one time attended two major universities simultaneously on the West Coast, and someday we may get into all that. And um, he kind of left academia because it wasn't, uh, well, it wasn't up to what Robert brings to the table. I'm sorry, Ron brings to the table. <laughs> 
So without further ado, let me mm. open the lines. And I heard someone humming there. That was Ron. Uh, gentlemen, why don't we start by Andrew? You kick us off as to what you've been looking at and tell us where to go in Radio with Pictures. And then Robert will pick up the story. And uh, during the latter part of the hour, I'm sure that Ron will have some thoughts. But let's start with you, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, uh, so if everybody could go to the other side of midnight.com on your computer or your device, as Richard is off to say, and you'll come up to the show page, go to tonight's show, and click on tonight's show banner, um, which I can't remember the name, guys. Can we? What is, what is it again? <laughs> As above, so below. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you, you, mean, you mean for tonight's show? That's your. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It is called The Chinese Have Landed on Mars. Yeah, and what's next? With a, with a so brilliant, very... you know, it, and what's next? And it's got a huge, you know, Chinese uh, uh, flag there, so you can't miss it. Yeah, yeah. And then if you go to my items, I think it's fast links yep. to my items under Andrew. And I have one item, and I'd like everybody to click on that. It's called number one. If I can <laughs> go back and find it here, it's just a little bit down. It's Sorry, titled folks, just... As Above, So Below. Yeah. And Richard, I would like you to set up what my first image is here in okay. Jezero Crater. <clears throat> okay. Uh, we're looking at an upside-down version, because normally when you have images or maps, north is at the top. That's the convention. This is, I flipped this one, and then Andrew used it as a template. South is at the top, so north is at the bottom. And at the southern part of Jezero Crater, this 30-mile-wide crater on Mars, where the Perseverance lander uh, set down on February 18th, there are a series of massive structures. The guys on the right are something like four to 5,000 feet across. They're in very bad condition now. They're very ancient. They're very eroded. And the ones on the left are about 2,000 feet across. Um, and the one in the middle is probably maybe 6,000 feet given the outline in terms of the uh, yellow box, what's inside the box. And I'm looking at this, and I realize suddenly that I've seen this pattern before. And what I hadn't seen is the fact that it was mirror-imaged. The objects on the left mirror the Giza Plateau spacing of the Great Pyramids on the Giza Plateau. That's the inset at the bottom left of the image. And then to the right of that, there are the three belt stars of Orion in conformance with Robert Vall's model um, published many, many years ago that the layout of the Giza Plateau pyramids mirrors to an extraordinary degree the layout of the belt stars of Orion, that is Osiris, the middle of the Osiris-Isis-Horus complex with Set thrown in for good measure, the central theme of Egyptian um, mythology. And it is now generally assumed by a lot of scholars that Paval was right and that the Giza Plateau pyramids indeed were set down to mark the belt stars of the constellation of Orion. The ones on Mars, the ones on the left, they look eerily very, very similar. The ones on the right are like a mirror image, like a backed image, like a rotated image flipped left to right. And that's where the weirdness comes in because there's no re you can't, as someone suggested, rotate Mars upside down like a pole flip and have this happen. It doesn't work geometrically. It almost looks to me <clears throat> as if something 
dimensional happen, literally. I mean, if we're, if we're talking hyperdimensional physics and torsion field ether, and you have an advanced technology that can literally, you know, plunge physical 3D objects through dimensions and have them go from there to here, are we looking at the memorialization of a dimensional flip sometime in the past history of the solar system? Now, this whole mythos has really grabbed Andrew because uh, he sees multiple levels simultaneously. That's one of the reasons he's on the team. And so he was looking at this con con uh, configuration the other day, and he had a series of blinding inspirations and ahas. And Andrew, take it away. Yeah, so... Yeah, I have been starting to obsess on this more, <laughs> Richard. And it honestly, the whole dimensional shift in this mirrored image idea, oh boy, it just, it made my, the inside of my brain just feel like it was twisted all, all over, just trying to visualize this. It's really, really hard because I believe, like you say, it's operating in literally different dimensions. But anyways, I what one of the things that I noticed with this configuration of these six monuments which are definitely in various stages of erosion and ancient destruction and you can find a lot of geometry again we, again they look like giant arcologies anyways i as usual the things that we see on mars in fact many things we see in the solar system but definitely here on mars that's where we're at right now there's an elegance there's an inherent elegance to so much of the alignments and the art that we believe we're seeing and this kept bugging me. I just kept going, there's a flow to this line, these two lines. So what I've done is I've put yellow boxes around a whole series of what we're calling pyramids or arcologies, these giant sort of internal structures that housed, you know, perhaps tens of thousands or thousands of people are like, they're like mini cities. And I noticed there was like this sort of swooping line so I, I started to sketch over top, and I, so that's my second image. If I, I kind of tone back the image of, of this area of Jezero Crater, and I made these two swooping lines kind of going out to the sides. But then I noticed, Richard, that below it, there is in fact a couple more archaeologies and possibly a third one. It's just slightly chopped off, and I put a... <clears throat> I see four, and yeah. as I'm looking at this, I'm realizing suddenly we have another mirroring of the larger group in the lower group. I know. With two and then an offset for Mintaka yep. and then another one below the offset, which is in direct line. And that's got to be telling us something. I know. I know. And so what I did then is I put a third line and a swooping line down and it just kept coming across to me as calligraphy. Literally, again, folks, it's not that there is a calligraphy line on the surface of Mars. It's that these monuments are following a shape. Again, there's this there's this intrinsic elegance. Everything has multiple meanings to me. And I kept seeing it. These, this pattern kept coming out. So finally, I drew well, it Well, hang out. on, hang on. We've established now with multiple examples, too many to count, yeah. that the Martians were exquisite three- and four-dimensional artists. Yeah. Art is by necessity multi-leveled and multi-dimensional. Even in our dimension, it's multi-dimensional. So the placement of a line, the accent of a curve, the geometric relationship of one thing to another, 
it's all a gestalt of multiple levels of meaning. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I looked at this, I drew it out, and I go, oh my gosh, this feels like language. This feels like a calligraphic language. So I think the first thing that hit my mind was a was an Asian language. And because we've been talking about China, I'm going, is this Chinese? Is it Arabic? And no, it feels so I sent a message to Robert, Robert Morningstar, who's here on the panel tonight. I sent him a message. I showed him the lines. I didn't show him that I had put the lines over top of this image because I wanted him to react just to my art. So you can see I put... Oh, you just sent him the proto-calligraphy. Yes, just the calligraphy, the two versions. So I did the... Like you can see below my second image, I have the, the calligraphic lines. The first one is just the two lines, the mirrored um, uh, uh, Giza plateau imagery idea and then the the real what what we see as the Giza plateau lining up with um the Orion Orion's belt then i put the third line which i i you know i can see going down the middle again tracing these arcologies and just like richard you said there is even more that go down and i sent it to robert and robert shoots back an email to me and says where did you get this from <laughs> what are what, what, what was this a download did you where did you see this what is this and and he's and he's so he's coming after me right i'm going i i i i i just was wondering does it have meaning is is it is it chinese he goes he goes yes it is and so robert do you want to pick up on uh where we went off from there sure well it was a, a nice surprise i got the uh calligraphy that's what I, we call it that's what it is and I said to myself, oh, Andrew's uh, learning how to write Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> and beautifully, by the way, they're, they're, oh, they're not proto. I studied under a grandmaster of calligraphy, Cheng Man Cheng. And I said to myself, those are master strokes. It's absolutely beautiful. And I admire it. So I said to myself, oh, uh, he's learning to read, write Chinese, fundamental characters, which are called radicals. In Chinese, there are 214 basic strokes from which all the other characters are constructed. So he has three of them there. The one that's large, uh, thick at the top and tapers uh, to a point on the lower left is uh, a fundamental stroke that is can represent hair and it can represent the back leg of a man. The stroke that's thick at the top, uh, excuse me, uh, narrow at the top and, and strokes down to the right and thickens at the right, that's called a foot, uh, like F-O-O-T, a Chinese foot. So when you combine the first stroke and the second stroke together, joining the second stroke at the midsection of the first stroke, you have what is called ren, or the walking man. If you take the first stroke, which I said symbolizes hair, and draw a vertical line right under it, it's called a standing man, also pronounced ren. So these two are fundamental radicals that are used for many things that pertain to man and action. So the walking man is the one that has the two strokes, like an inverted Y. Okay, if you go left and then right, an inverted Y. Now the, the short stroke, uh, which is considered a dot or um, a, a dash, uh, uh, when you add that to the stand, walking man and put it right in the crotch, it's a walking man with a penis. So from that one, you can create the word big and supremely big. So if you imagine yourself standing with your legs astride, widely astride, and you put your arms straight out, 
I'm not making a star, but you know, how big was the one that got away? You know, and, <laughs> oh man, it was that big. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes the word da means big. But if you take the penis and put it between the legs, it means tie. It means supremely big. And that's the first character of the word taiji, supreme ultimate. So Andrew sends me these characters, and I said, uh, well, you know, that's what you've got there. If you combine them these different ways, you have a walking man with a penis. So then uh, he sends it to Richard, and Richard said, you know who that is? And he said, Silas. And it struck me that, yes, that, that is, uh, you know, quite a rational, logical, reasonable explanation. The other thing I have to say as a pilot is that often civilizations put landmarks that can be seen from the air. I think the pyramids are some of them. But just to give you a a small idea, in 1994, I flew to Saratoga, New York. I rented a plane because there was going to be an annual eclipse there, and I just had to see it. And I flew up to Saratoga, and there are a lot of little airports up there. But then when I got there, I, I made a turn, and there I could see on the ground, written on the airport, Saratoga. <laughs> and so I knew that I was at the right airport. So Andrew may have um, intuited something. You know, the artist has a second sight, and I know Andrew has that. So I was very gratified to to hear the story, and uh, very happy that you invited me on the show to talk about Chinese characters. Hmm. Hello. Hey, Andrew. Well, when I, so I, it, just like Robert said, I reached out to Richard because folks, you know, we have a lot of back and forth during the week and a lot of prep to how the shows go, at least when we're doing the Mars stuff and we're included. Because um, usually it's Cynthia and Richard. <laughs> but um, yeah, and he goes, you, you, you found what? And I'm like, I said, a, man, a standing man with a penis. And he goes, <laughs> I thought he was going to admonish me. Like, are you back at that again? No, he goes, it means Osiris. And I, I went, you got to be kidding me. So then, yeah, and then, then the, the, the the cookie crumbled, the, the, the Chinese fortune cookie crumbled on the surface of Mars right now. And that's where we are, everybody. It's, uh, again, elegance and an inner framework, an, an underlying <sighs> tracing. See, guys, the, the thing that I'm resonating with is as you're talking about this, guys, is it possible, Robert, these Chinese strokes – literally in in terms of this particular character originated with 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 Orion because of the you know angle between the two other stars Analim and Alnatek and Mintaka and this is embedded in ideography i think that's the right term yes um, yes to Absolutely. stand for what Orion Osiris stood for all over the world because we all, at some level, go back to Orion. Orion is yeah. central, not just in Egyptian culture, but all over the planet. There's even a giant statue that's been redated. Robert, talk to him about England, okay? Because I sent that link around yes. this afternoon. Yeah, there's a place called Cernabis where this giant, uh, a chalk man, they, they constructed him out of chalk, um, and he's gigantic, and he's enshrined on a hillside in England. Well, describe what he looks like, because I don't think we well, have a, a photo up there. He, looks, he actually looks like um, Orion with the club, and his penis is erect, and uh, he's, his legs are straddled, 
and he's a facsimile of the of the characters that I, I just described. But you asked me more importantly about Orion. Everybody talks about the belt stars of Orion, but few people ever refer to what some people say is his sword. But really, it's the same thing. The three stars, you know, you have uh, Mintaka, Onitaka, and Oninao. And then you have a three that they say is the sword, but that's also the penis. So Orion has the penis. If you say that his sword is not a sword, but it's exactly the same character as the man with the club up there on the hillside in England. There's a, actually a very funny cartoon that I'm going to post as part of my <laughs> items tonight that refers to this. It's supposed to be a very scholarly meeting, and the guy at the mm -hmm. podium is standing there. I'm going to describe it. And he says, you know, we just figured out that the um, that the the sword of Orion is actually his penis, and you see these little, um, you know, uh, bull, uh, what they call them, balloons, off mm -hmm. off camera to the right in one of the frames, one of the panels of the cartoon, and it says, "How do you think we maintain the illusion it was a sword all this time?" Of course, it <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> right. Let me say a little bit about the Chinese when when they talk about uh, the penis. They have euphemisms, and they they call the penis Taiyang, the supreme Yang, and they refer to the uh, female genitals as Taiyin, the supreme Yin, because we come into the world through the Yin channel, and the Yin channel is fertilized by the Taiyang. So in both those characters, the first character is that you know straddling the legs with the big arms straight out, and uh, the phallus hanging down. So I think that uh, we're on to something. It's a universal symbol. Well, it and goes even deeper. <clears throat> you know, this is one of those rabbit holes that if you go down, you never come back. Anyway, it turns out if you look at the Greek and a number of Greek mythologies, Orion himself seems to be a mangling in English of the Greek root for urine, meaning, you know, fluid ejected yes. from males, by the penis, mm. and mm. Orion, or Ururin, where the U got dropped, is was the product of soldiers urinating on a, a um, uh, cow's hide or, or a bull's hide, and then it was buried, and he springs forth. So there's this etymological, multi-levered meaning, all which seems to focus on procreation, origins of humans and in 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 recent history of course you know w without the the stellar part um you know it, it's known how babies are born there's as you just said in the chinese there's the yin the yin. well it looks to me as if we're looking at a pun intended a seminal mythology which is speaking to how the hell we got into this place which has to do with Orion, which brings us back to the multiple copies of the belt stars in Orion on the planet Mars. Richard, you just sparked an, a thought in me. Uh, That's what this is all about. about. Go for about it. This, 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 seminal, uh, this seminal initiation and creation of life. I don't know if uh, anybody here has heard or read the instructions of Enki from the Anunnaki. I know that Keith knows this, but a couple of years ago, they translated another cylinder seal, and it's called The Instructions of, of Enki. And it tells the story of the creation of Adam by the god Enki, 
and 14 goddesses who volunteered to uh, receive this bundle that they concocted out of essences, out of genetic material, mm -hmm. cells, and, uh, mucus, and saliva, and uh, the semen of Enki, and hair. And they made this bundle, and they cut the bundle into 14 pieces, and they put four, one of each of these 14 pieces in each of the, the 14 goddesses and they waited 10 months and at the end of 10 months Adamu, the red man, the man of red dirt was born, the first Adam and I think that tells a story of genetic engineering Well you know uh, where the 14 pieces enter in don't you? No, tell me 14 is the mythological representation of Orion, remember the classic mythos where the you know the, the 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 evil henchman of Set cut or you know Osiris into fourteen oh, yes. pieces and all that, yes. and then they yes. they you know Isis went around finding all the pieces and putting back together. She couldn't find you know his his phallus, so she made right. one out of gold, etc. And that's how Horus was conceived. But fourteen is a double tetrahedron. It's two spinning tetrahedrons, which is the complete symbol of the physics, which is the symbol of, you know, this this show, The Other Side of Midnight, which mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think who it was who created that for us. Uh, Kinthea, can you remember? It, it wasn't Andrew. It was... Um, oh, it was Tommy Vaughn. Tommy Vaughn. Tommy Vaughn. Yes, yes. Anyway, it's all a gestalt. It's all different facets of the mirror, and it all goes to, drum roll the real origins of Homo sapiens on two worlds. Yes, I think we can concur that the Osirian mythology of Egypt is a transmogrification of this Anunnaki creation. Yes, yes. It's really uh, remarkable. A tale of a tale of a tale of a tale, and it goes down through history. And like telephone at the parties back in the 50s and 60s, if you have people sitting in a circle and you whisper a secret to the person on your right, by the time it gets back to you around the circle, it's a pale vestige of what you whispered into the person on your right. So these things have a way of, you know, drifting through time, and there are fragments that are preserved. And what I do to try to piece back the original is I look for the key numbers. Because going back to Andrew, Andrew, if we, yeah. in fact, were put through another dimension... And there was a dimensional reversal, kind of like the Superman Phantom Zone. Right. That would have had to do with hyperdimensional physics, which is two rotating tetrahedrons symbolically, or 14, you know, rotational symmetries, which gets us to Orion and the mirror image there on the plains of Jezero. It's yeah, incredibly it's... elegant. Yeah, that's that's exactly that's my point, Richard. Is that there's just this absolute beautiful elegance, even in the in the destruction of this ancient sandbox. You know, the core of this is about fertility and rebirth and transformation, and it's coming. I, I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great. I think it's here. Yeah. It isn't coming. It's here. Look at all uh, the you know what hitting the hitting the rotating kitchen appliance. I was talking with Kinti the other day, and she says, well, it's not just in space. And I said, really? 
Look around. There is not one facet of human experience now, human interaction, human management, human government, human response, which isn't totally, totally, as my grandmother said, cattywampus. I would like to offer a, a comment on the relationship of Giza, the Belt Stars of Orion. You got and, one. And, you got less than one minute. So why do we hold okay, that? Hi, Mars. Yeah. Why do, why, why do we uh, hold basically that? Basically, this. All right. I believe that Giza is a terraform area that the Martians who survived came here and saw a region of Earth that reminded them of their destroyed home planet, and for a number of topographical characteristics of that particular place they chose to build the three pyramids there perhaps as tombstones to the lost civilization and after the break i can give you more details about the relationship of the qatar basin okay. hold and it the hold it there hold okay. it there my guest this morning too numerous to mention they will introduce themselves when they come on in irregular sequence we got an incredible second hour which is going to feature um, a reprise of two guests who have been on the show many times. Um, and Ron is going to come back with his responses to what we talked about in the first half hour. Third hour, Tim Saunders is joining us, and Kinthea is waiting in the wings. This is uh, David Bowie. Um, Life on Mars, kind of appropriate. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Just remember the virus that they say that is making everybody sick. Nowhere in the world, not one country, not one institution, not the CDC, nobody has this virus that's making us sick on file. It does not exist. All the Freedom of Information Acts are empty over and over again. The virus nowhere exists. So if that is correct, and that's what they're telling us, how in the world can they be testing for it? How in the world can they be making this kind of injection to put in us to save us from this? So we need to start asking the obvious questions because by science and medicine, that makes no sense. I've never heard of that before. Are we able to purchase all those? and this was supposed to be a novel infection. You start looking at the big picture, you start looking at everything, you'll find this is actually a planned 
plandemic. This is not actually what they're telling us in the media. So then you have to ask the bigger question, why? So we have to look closely into this. And what's very concerning is that none of the manufacturers or our governments will allow any of us to analyze the vials. It's illegal for us to analyze them. They won't let us look in there. Well, why, if there's nothing to hide, why can't we see what's inside these vials? Because right now we have no proof that this virus even exists. What made people sick around the world, in my opinion, is many different things. And they used a testing mechanism was, that was faulty and that could cross-react with anything. It could literally cross-react with bacteria, with other flus, with other colds, false positives. So that's meaningless. So there's no proof of this supposed, you know, bad, weird virus affecting everybody. This is Dr. Carrie Made on the other side of the news. And I'm excited to be here because we have freedom of speech and no censorship. everyone is there life on mars was there life on mars are we from mars was life itself delivered to the earth from mars or was everything in the solar system delivered here by something so unimaginably vast and reality changing that literally we're living in some kind of other dimensional pocket universe a phantom zone, perhaps? Anyway, back to my guest of the morning. Uh, Andrew can only stay with us another five minutes. So, But I wanted to keep you on for this transition because if, if, if you guys are right, then the reason the Chinese have landed on Mars is because they know they're going home. That may be. If I may finish that um, little 
insight. Absolutely. Back in, 19, in 1998, I deciphered the face of Mars is a geometrically encrypted code. And you're familiar with my work. I, do, I rectified the slant range image that was released through your efforts. Remember, you're petitioning Clinton and Gore, like make them take the picture. So they gave us a slant range picture. Well, it wasn't Clinton and Gore, it was Malin. He was the one running the camera. Okay, well, anyway, we got the picture and I was able to rectify it, to straighten it out. And when I straightened it out and balanced it, I split the face in half. I mirrored each side of the face. The first figure that came out was a female lion. The second figure that came out was a bearded man with a conical crown. I stared at that picture for half an hour and something said, there's something there, something more there, you're not seeing it. And I finally saw it. When I flipped that second picture over without doing anything to it, it turned into a hawk. And subsequently, going back to the original image, and instead of doing a bisection, I did a golden mean, a 1.619 uh, extension, a little more than one and a half. And that turned into a cow or an ox. So there I found four figures, the face of a man, the face of a hawk, the face of a lion, and the face of an ox. This sounds and weirdly like <clears throat> Ezekiel. Ezekiel and the four evangelists are represented by each of those figures. Mm. So th this is what I felt is that I discovered a heraldry, a, a symbol system of a solar religion. Subsequently, around at the same time, I was really being guided. I discovered a, a surveyor's plan of Giza done by Flinders Petrie. And all of a sudden, I saw that that whole area is, you know how Japanese like to do miniature gardens? A terraformed facsimile of planet Mars. And it was so explicit. Across from Giza to the west, toward Libya, is the deepest, lowest region of the Mediterranean called the Qatar Depression, 450 feet below sea level. On the far end of that, where these mountains rise, there is a holy mountain that the Egyptians called Al-Wajit. Now, as I, when I was a child, I read a lot of classics, and I read uh, Classics Illustrated, and I read Alexander the Great. And in the last panels of that uh, Classics Illustrated, it said that Alexander died in Persia, his body was taken back to Egypt, and then he was buried on Mount Olympus. Now, for 2,000 years, Greek archaeologists went all over Greece for looking for Mount Olympus and looking for the tomb of Alexander the Great. They didn't find a bone. But in 1994, they found Alexander's tomb at a place called Siwa, which is a little oasis at the base of this mountain called Al-Wajit, the holy mountain, the holiest mountain in Egypt that stands opposite the Great Pyramids of Giza. And that is the original Mount Olympus. So I had this insight that the pyramids represent the three volcanoes of the Tarsus Montes and that Al-Wajit represents Olympus Mons, that the Qatar Depression represents the eye of Mars, Solus Lacus, and not far away is a facsimile on Earth, or a simile, of the Valles Marineris, and it's called the Great African Rift Valley. So when the Martian remnant arrived 
lonesome, lonely for home, their destroyed home planet. I believe they erected monuments, the Great Pyramids, as tombstones to their lost civilization, and they terraformed Giza and that region of Africa because it looks like Mars. And need I add that according to Graham Hancock, the very word Cairo means Mars. So I think we're having revelations here mm-hmm. and sites. And I think also this, there is no reason why both things can't be true. They are aligned to the belt stars of Orion. They are facsimiles of the Tarsus Montes, the three volcanoes uh, adjacent, not far from Olympus Mons and the Eye of Mars, which, by the way, in the last week, I found the photograph, a panoramic photograph of Mars, which proves that NASA has been lying about the depth of Solus Lacus for as long as they've been lying. <laughs> they've been lying for a long time. So I hope in some, sometime in the coming weeks to present that for you. Okay, uh, we're going to come back to this, but Andrew, I know you can't stay very yeah. long. I want, I want you to kind of close off this part of the discussion. Sure. Well, it's funny, as Robert was talking and as we went into the break and I heard a little bit of Bowie, um, what I was wondering, Richard, is if we pull back a little bit, and also I've been having it back and forth with one of the listeners who were having a little little repartee back and forth about... <laughs> oh, tell about us, about tell a... us, by all means. <laughs> well, no, it's just, it's just um, uh, you know, we're talking about fertility and, and male genitalia. I'm wondering if we were to pull out a little farther here in Jezero, Jezero Crater, if we would find, perhaps even in the Chinese character, Robert... The equivalent of the female of the goddess. It'd be very interesting to look a little wider, and, and that might be a little project for this week. Sure, let's yeah. look through. Let's look through because you know you can recombine those strokes in in uh, a myriad myriad forms and myriad meanings. Um, the word Tao also uh, comes to mind. So let's work on it uh, during sure. the coming week. I'm I'm intrigued by the whole idea. Okay, yeah. before we lose Andrew, Ron, you have anything you want to add? Huh. Well, perfect timing. I was just, uh, yeah, Andrew, if you're going to use uh, a discussion of penis and the phrase, uh, we should pull it out a little in, in adjacent <laughs> sentences, uh, you should perhaps... Me too. You understand yeah, this, been, this well, program I, is getting an R rating, right? <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I believe me. I, I've, I've been listening to a lot of this, but it's uh, the, uh, I'm on that level. Uh, first off, uh, in reverse order... Uh, Robert just set me off because if Graham Hancock is another one of those people that claims that Cairo means in any discernible, connectable way, Mars, then he's an idiot too. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm tired of, tired you, of going through the explanation again. Why don't you tell us about what, what you really think? <clears throat> yeah, I know. That's just what well, that's, that's. No, the actual button. translation I understand means victorious, as victorious in war. So by metonymy, Cairo has assumed the mantle of the god of war, i.e. Mars, but there's no one-to-one translation. No, and however, the, ba- the battle in question, you know, I won't get into the, the niceties of uh, uh, one interpretation of what means war or battle or, you know, anything else. Uh, yeah, that's the right idea, but the conflict was the between Set and Horus, and it, it's an epic battle. It's one of the feature things in Egyptian mythology because it went on for a week, 
and that's a week in God terms, I suppose. It got so, <laughs> no, it got it's so seven. Obnoxious. It's seven tetrahedral spins of something. Yes. Okay. That yes, that too. It uh, it got a, it got so annoying to the rest of the pantheon that they uh, convened a council of the gods to settle it for them. Decided that uh, Horus could indeed have Egypt because it was a naturally it was a real estate dispute. You know, just like happens with um, families <clears throat> and. Uh, the uh, that set could have the foreign lands, uh, which actually included most of the rest of the earth, because they just considered anything past the black zone, which is where the rich fertile soil was, to be, um, um, well. Just, you mean the Nile Valley? Just foreigners. Yeah. Well, yeah. To the uh, to the east of the uh, of the Nile Valley. That's the that was Kemet. That was the black lands with the super rich soil that. Uh, they relied on for their crops. Anyway, that's, he got that and the uh, and everything else, which meant the rest of the world. So he wasn't always a villain. But not that I'm defend not that I'm defending him because he's but he's, he wasn't exactly a Satan figure. Well, uh, again, we don't anyway, have a lot. Anyway, of, that's just we, one we, thing. we don't have a lot of time, so no. let me close the loop here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Horus okay, is, is also called Red Horus and identified directly with Mars. So you don't have to go with the Cairo kind of oblique Dickinson reference. You got it right there in uh, Horus. Ah, uh, yes, but the Red Horus, Red Horus is one of three or four Horus uh, figures that are see they were avatars and so they didn't they weren't always a perfect fit you know we can't you can't just say that they were facets of one and the same thing they weren't exactly they were fulfilling the same role and it has to and it would be too long an explanation as to how gods get to be tagged that way but this is how gods get imported from one country to another a completely different god with a completely different backstory becomes a local god someplace else with a local story because the there's a one-to-one -one correspondence in their value or their deeds or their powers uh with yeah, what mythology they needed is in the messy new since we're going to lose yes, andrew, it is. And hang, so, hang on hang on so we're going to lose andrew any any but, final thoughts hang on ron hang on yeah uh, no, I just look forward to hearing the archive of the show when I get back. So I, sorry, I have to leave folks and, and everybody here in the panel, but, um, we will pick commits. this up again next week. I guarantee because we yeah. will learn more stuff by next week. It's asymptotic. Yeah. So thank you, yeah, Andrew, no. and go say hi no, to everyone. <laughs> yeah. Long weekend. We got some guests and, uh, oops, I didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Take care. Okay. Take care, everybody. Okay. Ron? Andrew. Okay, well, they, uh, there's actually a uh, – rather than me arguing with it, there's actually a deeper uh, resonance with that business about the calligraphy matching the um, shape of the um, out, um, outline of this, that, and the other thing. Uh, some years ago, I was showing some work that I had done on some images to a friend of mine who happened to be Persian and fluent in African or African in Arabic, Farsi and several other things and very interested in esoteric subjects as well. Anyway, I showed him these things and I said, "Look, this looks like this looks like a character of some sort." And he got all excited. And this was something that was on something on the moon, okay? And it was a, similar to what you're describing in Jezero crater there with the um, just the shape of the way things were laid out. But he said, no, 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 that's a character in Arabic. It means God is great. And 
the some variation on Allah Akbar. And I said, really? And so he showed me. And I said, yes, it did. It was. It was exactly the same shape. So I wonder if there is some sort of fundamental resonance behind some sort of calligraphic uh, uh, representations that has, that sometimes has a deeper meaning. Because the business about Orion, the reason Orion is a universal constellation, at least in the northern hemisphere, uh, uh, is because it it's a very distinctive constellation. You know, in ancient times, they didn't have the same constellations that we have. Only a couple of them were pretty much the same, even with a different name. But Orion's always always been there. You know, it's it, in a lot of ways, it's the most, in some bizarre way, it just... Well, what's so strange about Orion is that the big, you know, incredibly large, splendiferous constellation we now identify with Betelgeuse and Rigel and Bellatrix, the stars at, at the end of the kind of rectangle of the, both all the corners, were not yeah. really really recognized. The only asterism that was recognized are the belt stars, and those are pan-cultural around the world. They're given names, they're given identities, they're given a persona, but not what we think of as the bigger constellation of Orion, meaning that something was crucially important about the belt. And Robert, coming back to a point you made, um, I don't think the guys that came from Mars were replicating Mars. They were replicating the big guy, the big origin, which is Orion, The somehow mm-hmm. the belt itself and everything else was a copy and a reiteration of that mythos, that origin, that creation story, that connection, maybe that dimensional provocation. You know, there's a very interesting thing about that region of, of outer space, and it has to do with something NASA discovered about 15 or 20 years ago. They said that new stars are being born all over that region, and that the equivalent of 60,000 Earth oceans of water are being generated every day. Uh, to go back to what Ron said about the council to bring uh, the war to an end between Horus and Set, it's also reminiscent of the division of the earth between Enki and Enlil at the end of their battle. Enki mm-hmm. was given Africa and Enlil was given the other side of the earth. And um, there's just uh, too much to tell. Too mm. much to tell. Okay, we've got about exactly. 10 minutes till the top of the hour. Robert's going to do something just before the top of the hour break, and I won't uh, presage what it is because I will let him do that. That means I've got nine minutes, actually now eight, to talk about the Chinese landing on Mars. So what I want everyone to do is to go to the other side of midnight.com, click on tonight's banner, which says rather grandly, the Chinese um, uh, on Mars, what's next? Click on my fast links under the banner. That will take you to my items. Scroll down to number five. This is a side-by-side comparison uh, of the deployment of the rover about four or five days after the landing. Uh, the landing took place uh, Saturday, our time. The deployment of the rover took place on Friday, our time. And we've got a few stills because they have a very limited bandwidth situation getting data Uh, from Mars back to Earth so far. And you'll see this side-by-side comparison of the rover um, kind of looking back toward the uh, uh, lander 
in these two versions, one at the beginning of its roll down the ramp, the other at the very end. Uh, there's another couple of pictures in the uh, first uh, item up at the top on the, the BBC News coverage of the landing itself the previous five days, except for one image of the rover looking down toward the ground. All of the horizon images of of uh, Zhurong have been in black and white. The Chinese have given us no color images of what Mars looks like for over a week now. And they've had plenty of time, plenty of bandwidth. They could have given us wonderful color shots. How do I know? Go to item number six. This is the, one of the first images they sent back from the moon uh, when they deployed Chang-3. Remember, Chang is the moon goddess, and she had a pet rabbit, U2, that she took with her in her isolation and, um, um, I guess, imprisonment on the moon as part of the Chinese mythos. And they sent us these gorgeous color images immediately of the deployment of the rover. They gave us video. Of course, they were much closer. They had much more bandwidth. But they could have given us color stills for some reason they seem to be punting on the color of the Martian sky. Gentlemen, any thoughts? Well, my first thought was, wow, they really landed nowhere. You know, <laughs> you told me it's nowhere. And with the first photo, it was so nondescript. It's flatter said, than Kansas. Okay, we agree yeah, on well, I said it looked like the Gobi Desert. Yeah, we're, but then we're, the we're, second photo... We're not in Kansas anymore, but covered with rubble so dense so thick i said to myself i wonder if their rover will be even able to negotiate that so one side i did hear that they were planning to land near a dried ocean bed so one part that gobi desert part could be the ocean bed and the other part could have been the beach strewn strewn with the debris of the martian cataclysm that uh, wait, wait, Brown... are you looking at the image i had number five no, I'm not. I'm talking about two images that I saw earlier in the week. One was in physics.org, and the other one was the first mm -hmm. image that they showed uh, with just, just sand with a couple of rocks sticking out of it. Well, that's what all the images show. There are the, the Viking 2, you may have been mistaking the Viking 2 panorama back in 76 for the Zhurong landing because... No, no, no. It was in physics.org that they said first color pictures from from Mars, from the Chinese rover, and that was totally different. Than There's the, only the, one picture, and it's of the of the rover itself with the solar panels, and you can see a bit of landscape, you know, kind of off to the side, but there's no panoramic sweep in color of anything with the landing, anything. I don't care what physics.org says. Panoramic, I said a still photo showing a rock-strewn area. It's and not It's not from this landing. It cannot well, be. Physics, physics, this is the only landing China's made, and physics.org said that this is a... a if, they, if, they, if they had it, everybody would have it. Nobody else has it. Therefore, some copy editor at... That's physics, an assumption, Richard. No, it believe. is not. I'm, I'm, I'm tuned, I'm tuned in to the actual Chinese news services. Don't you think the Chinese news services would publish their own pictures? Physics.org is made of ordinary human beings. They made a mistake, okay? okay. And and so, what you might do is you might send it in the Skype window, this image, so I can see if it's familiar from another mission. Ron, you had something you wanted to say. Oh, I just want to say I wondered if that's the same image that I saw that Robert's talking about, which you said was uh, a 
well, basically a promo illustration, not uh, not actually a photo. Yeah, they put out several posters I, having nothing to do no, with it actual. No, wasn't a poster. It was an actual photograph. Uh, so would you like to make a bet? Would you like to make a little bet? Anyway, moving on. Um, yes. The big question I have is why are they only publishing black and white images? Which gets to the whole um, mythos of the atmosphere of Mars, which is a real obsession of mine, and the color is indicative of the reality of the atmosphere, and my stories being a JPL when you know the colors were totally switched between morning and night, and one of the PIs, uh, one of the principal investigators' son was chased around the lab by the security guys because he was turning the monitors back to real color, and they almost threw him out of the lab, et cetera, et cetera. So the color of the Martian sky, indicative of its density and what it's made of, seems to be a cause celeb. And the Chinese have waffled, they have punted, they have temporized, they have kicked the can down the road, as the cliche goes, because they have not given us any color of the skies or the landscape. And the one you're talking about, Ron, was a colorized, mm -hmm. fake color version, like, you know, TMC does colorized versions of 1930s films through a process called colorization. There is one image yeah. that's out there, which is a colorized version of the original black and white image from the lander, but it's not real color, it's fake color, as to somebody wanting color, so they basically impugned on the Chinese black and white image a color version, which is fake. That yeah, which does ha which does clear. happen. That's why I'm I'm just I'm not disputing anybody here because that yeah. that does happen. I'm just saying that that I, I can accept that that does happen because I don't see why they're not publishing any color pictures unless the camera's broken. I think mm. we should start a viral rumor that their <laughs> color camera doesn't work, and then we'll get color pictures rather quickly. Mm, I doubt if we. I will. was suspicious of the photo because the sky was not blue. And um, we have uh, about one minute to the top of the I was going to say, it's time for Robert to do his honor honorable thing. Robert? Yes. Okay, well, we're two minutes from a very critical moment in history. At exactly 1 a.m. this time, 6, 6 a.m. Greenwich meantime, the HMS Hood was lost in the Denmark Strait in a battle with the famous German battleship, the Bismarck. And 1,415 men, 70% of whom were under the age of 18, perished in less than three minutes. There were only three survivors. And the admiral in charge of the hood was Lancelot Holland. He went down with the ship. And I am commemorating that tonight. Uh, in a few minutes, I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to go to the Soldiers and Sailors Monument to do a form and do the sword form in memory of these British sailors who gave their lives to defeat Nazism. Because if the Bismarck had not been sunk, England would have lost the war. It was a pirate ship that was out to destroy the convoys that were feeding and warming up England. So I feel a very deep kinship with these sailors. Richard is also a son of a US Navy man. My father served on the seas in World War II as well. So this is the theme of the Royal Navy March.
Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.